Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned, line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is that God would truly have us to understand from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello there, God bless you, and welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to be picking it up in Matthew chapter 8, verse 27 in just a moment. Now, in our last study, we got to the point where Christ and, the, and his few disciples are traveling across a lake in the, or the sea in this boat, and a storm come up. And it's a pretty good storm. It's, it's good enough that these commercial fishermen were scared. So they, you know, they've seen storms before. And it got him worried, and Christ was asleep. And that's symbolic of in the time when he would be crucified, his flesh would be asleep, but he would still he's still present with us today through his spirit. And he got up and naturally rebuked the winds and and everything calmed down. And that's where we're going to pick it up. So we ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name, verse twenty seven. But the men marveled saying, What manner of, of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? You know, that would be quite something to, that, that'd be quite a spectacle to be riding across the sea and all this stuff happened and this man just stood up and said, Hey, go away, and it went away. That, that'd be, it's definitely a miracle. Verse 28, And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Now that gives you a thing that that's the devils that were crying out, these, these evil spirits. They were crying out because they know that everything has a time. There's a chronological order to everything in God's plan. What they're saying is, hold on, it, it, it's not time yet. The, it, it's, not the, it's not time for us to be cast into to the dungeon, to the prison yet. What you, why are you here? You're, you're a little early. But they recognized him. They knew exactly who he was. Verse 30. And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And one thing about swine, they are very, very unclean animal. They were put on earth basically to be vacuum cleaners. You know, they are, they are great at that. That's what God designed them for. They clean up. They eat the corpses and all this. They don't have sweat glands, so they don't sweat the poison out. So that's why they are... A an unclean animal. Verse 31. So the devils besought him, saying, Oh, we got that. Verse 32. And he said unto them, Go, and when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine read violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. Now, what does that tell you right there? These two men had put up with these devils for... Who knows how long? And as soon as they run into these unclean animals, 
they could they didn't they didn't put up with it. They run off the ledge and killed themselves. They weren't going to do that. So it kind of shows that humans will go through a little more torment than what a beast will go through. Thirty three, and they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything, and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. Now you would think they'd come out and be wanting to meet him. Oh man, you did this. Wow, oh, that's that's great. You know, we appreciate you for healing these folks, for casting those de- de- these devils out of them, and and getting them clean. But what happened? And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coasts. They didn't care nothing about the guys or the devils. He just hurt their herd. The the herd just run off and died. That that hurt their pocketbook. So now they don't want him around. That's kind of a little heartless. That's a little little stern there. Chapter 9, verse 1. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy. So he's paralyzed, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes, uh uh-oh, here we go with these guys, said within themselves, this man blasphemeth, blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, wherefore thank you evil in your hearts? He's calling them out. See, he, he knows everybody's hearts. For whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, I rise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. So what he's doing here, these scribes, they're, a little, they're going to be a little upset because Christ is walking around doing things that they can't do. He's healing, he's casting out devils, and... These scribes and Pharisees and the Sadducees, they can't do this. They're they're playing religion. You know, they're they're acting holier than thou, but really they can't do anything. They have no power. Christ shows up with the authority and can do all these things, and it's making them look bad. Verse 8. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom and said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now, again, he didn't have an altar call. He didn't come down with a revival or preach a sermon to him. He looked at him and said, follow me. And he got right up. Verse 10, and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, there here comes this group again. They said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? You know, they're just a little, these Pharisees are a little better than everybody else. They, they don't have, they don't want to get any dirt on them, you know. They, they're spiritually above everybody. They can't stoop down to that level even though they're the teachers and the ones that are supposed to be helping these people. Verse 12, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So this is kind of a backhanded compliment, kind of saying, 
you know, if you're whole, you're right. You're good. If you are 100%, then what do you need a physician for? But the sick do need a physician. Spiritually, we need a physician. Verse 13, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. So he's kind of saying, go think about what I just told you there. You're high and mighty. Think about that just a second. Let that mull that over a little bit and see if you should be proud of that. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, where does this come from? Is it go and learn this? This comes from Hosea chapter 6. We're going to run back there right quick because Christ said, go and learn this. So it's a good idea to go and learn this. Hosea chapter 6, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us, in the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. What this is talking about is the revival or the reconciliation of Israel. And how it's going to be, it's going to be similar to the resurrection of Christ. You know, we've got the three witnesses, or the two witnesses that are going to be here, and they're going to be slain. Three and a half days later, they are going to ascend into heaven. And everybody is going to see it because they're going to leave them out there. They're going to put them out in the arena. And uh, they're going to leave them there to prove a point. It's going to be those folks' way of proving a point. Well, Christ didn't raise, so... These guys here are false prophets. They're not going to raise either, but they do. And it's at the seventh trump that they raise, and that's why everybody can see them ascending, because as they're ascending, Christ is coming down and stepping his foot back down on earth. Verse 3. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. Just as the sun comes up in the morning, he's got everything ready to go. And he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain unto the earth. Now, this latter and the former rain, you have your first rain, which comes in, in at this time in this area. It came between October and January. And what it did was got the soil ready to receive seeds, to be planted. And so that former rain for us is that that work, that understanding that you know, kind of that, that spirit getting in your mind and starting to till your mind, getting your mind ready to receive the seed. And once you receive that seed, then you get the latter rain. And that latter rain would come through around March or April in this area, and it would cause those seeds to sprout and to grow and to eventually bear fruit. And that's exactly what the spirit does. Whenever you receive a seed from this word and it's in there, then the Spirit comes with that latter rain and allows that seed to get fertile and to, to grow. And that knowledge is just, it, it's just an amazing thing the way it works. Verse 4, O Ephraim. Now, whenever, whenever in the Old Testament, many times when you see Ephraim, that means the ten northern tribes. That's what they were known for. Uh, Ephraim was the largest of the ten tribes. So instead of saying Israel because they had split, now they would say Ephraim. What shall I do unto thee, O Judah? What shall I do unto thee? 
For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew it goeth away. Therefore have I hewn them by the prophets. So he, he sent the prophets to get us ready, to get us to understand. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. Now in Revelation it says that Christ's tongue is sharp as a two-edged sword. And that's what this word does. It, it, it slays the evil. It knocks the evil out. But it leaves that good spirit side there. And thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. There's a little mistranslation in, in the rest of that. And thy judgments, the word thy there should be in my judgments because it's still the Lord talking. Verse 6, now this is what we came here for. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice. Well, that's what Christ said. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Well, why would he prefer the knowledge of God, us to receive the knowledge of God more than receiving burnt offerings? First of all, he already created all the offerings. Every animal that was made an offering out of, he created. So it's kind of just giving it back to him. But to get the knowledge of God, to search out that knowledge of God, it keeps you on that narrow path. And it the more you search, the more you learn, the more that you can love God, that you understand Him. And so it's a more pure love. All right, returning back to Matthew and... Verse 14, chapter 9, verse 14. Then came to him the disciples of John, which would be John the Baptist, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. Now in... Luke chapter 18, verse 9 to about verse 14, it speaks of two who went into the synagogue and were praying. And one was a Pharisee and, and one was just a sinner, a normal person. And the Pharisee stood up there strong and proud and was kind of patting himself on the back and saying, I'm not like these sinners. You know, I do this, I pay tithes on everything I get, I fast twice a week, I do this, and you know, man, he was just building himself up. But the publican, he never looked up, the sinner, he, he, he was humble, and he prayed earnestly. And Christ would say that that sinner, being humble, would receive, he, he, would, he would leave justified. Whereas the one that was over there beating on his chest because he was just so holier than thou, he just he got what he got right then. Verse 16. No man putteth a piece of new cloth into an old garment. For that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. What that's talking about is if you patch a pair of, of pants and you don't pre-shrink the patch. Then the first time you wash them, if you know it's an old pair of pants, they've got a rip in them, and you put some new cloth on it, whenever you wash them, that cloth is going to shrink pretty bad. And in that, it's going to cause the hole to be worse. Verse 17, Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. 
but the but they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. All right, so this bottles, what this is in the Greek, uh, it's in your in your Strong's Concordance, it's number seven seventy nine, and it's askos, and what it is is a wine skin, or a leather bag that would hold this. And so what he's saying is. You don't put new wine because new wine is still in the process of fermentation. It's still building pressure and such. So you don't put it in old skins that are brittle, that are set in their ways, that are not going to move. They're not malleable. And so whenever you put that new wine in there, it would cause it to swell. And eventually it would break the wine skin. And then you lost your whole bottle of wine and the wine skin itself. But you put it in... New wineskins, because new wineskins haven't been aged, they haven't dried out, and they're able to move with the fermentation process. They're able to to mold to it, mold with it, if you will. Also, another thing that is interesting about that is that word, the 779, comes from 778, which is askeo, and it means to train or to exercise. So what he's saying is, don't put new wine. You got to look at this as Christianity is the new wine. Well, then what's the old skins? That would be the Old Testament. That would be the ceremonial laws and ordinances. And, and what's happening here is a change. Basically, these prophecies are coming fulfilled. And everybody at this time was so used to the to following the Old Testament, the sacrifices and and all of that stuff. That now he's coming and saying, we're not going to have to do that anymore. But you can't just go out there and go, all right, hey, quit. Christ is here. He, he's, he's brought salvation so you don't have to sacrifice those animals anymore. Because that would blow their minds, right? It would confuse so many people. And many of them would just fight back at you. Just as we spoke before about one reaching out and striking you, you turn the other cheek. If you overload them, well, then that's on you. That's what he's saying here is you gotta you've got to work that their mind. You've got to get it ready. They've got to exercise it and get it trained up before you can just dump a whole lot of truth on them. Because if you do that, then it might just all go terribly south on you. Verse 18. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead. But come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And he arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. This twelve years, it, this is symbolic of... So this blood, this issue of blood, it was a hemorrhage. And... This 12 is symbolic of the tribes, how they have just, they have hemorrhaged, basically, from God. And they're just out there, you know, they, most of them don't even know who they are. There's 12 tribes that most people don't even know, have a clue where they're at. So in this, we see the fulfillment or the, the representation of the healing of this, of the nation of Israel, just as we read in Hosea just a minute ago. Verse 21. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. 
But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort or courage. Thy faith had made, hath made thee whole, and the woman was made whole from that hour. It didn't matter if she touched his garment. It was what was inside her. It was that faith, that belief that caused her to be made whole. Verse 23. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, they're wailing, they're mourning. That's, this is basically a, a wake, I guess you could say, of these days. He said unto them, Give place, or get out of the way, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. Now, this word for sleepeth, it there's there's two different words for sleep that you see. One of them is to be asleep, as in to, to have died, to have unintentionally gone to sleep. This one is not that word. This one means she got ready, she just laid down and went to bed. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. So he told everybody, get out of here. Y'all, he didn't need anybody in there that didn't have any type of faith. They believed so much that she was dead. Whenever he said, she's not dead, she's just sleeping, and they're laughing. Y'all got to go. You ain't got faith. I need to be with her alone. And the fame, or the news of this, went abroad into all the land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men, followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? Now notice, it, it's on them. Do you believe that he is able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know of it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all the country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb man sp the, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees... Here we go with these these <laughs> these guys again. The Pharisees said, He casts out devils through the prince of devils. So what he's saying is that, oh, he's just putting on a sideshow. It's actually, he's worshiping the devils and they're just doing what he says to make him look like he's powerful. They're not going to do that. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, you know, this is getting under the Pharisees' skins because, as I said earlier, they can't do this. They can't heal people. Their faith is in their sacrifices. Their faith is in their pocketbook. Whenever we get to the temple whenever christ went in and threw the money changers out that's what they're about they were about let's see how much increase we can get really if they would have cared anything about god they would have seen what was going on they would have seen that this was the messiah but they didn't verse 36 but when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now, 
what that means is, yeah, they were Pharisees, they were Sadducees, they were teachers, but they were no good shepherds. There were none who were teaching the truth. John the Baptist was doing a great job. But they were so few and far between that that the sheep, if you will, the flocks, the children, had nowhere to lean on. And spiritually they were fainting because they weren't being fed. They weren't being given the truth. Verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. What he's saying is there's all these souls here and they're good people, but they're not being taught. 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We'll get into chapter 10 a little bit. Chapter 10 and verse 1. And when he called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. You know, many people say, oh, well, the, the disciples got it. Well, man, I, that'd be cool if we could have that power. Flip over here to Luke with me right quick. Luke, let me see here. Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Christ gave us the power over that too. In his name, we have that authority. In our faith, as, as just as chapter 9 was building so much on in the faith of those who were healed. Not that Christ just touched them and they were healed. They had to have faith. They had to believe. If you have the faith that Christ gave you the power and in his name, then it's there. Now, the serpents and scorpions, if you remember, obviously, Satan is the serpent. He's known as that old serpent who was the devil, okay? What about these scorpions? Revelations chapter 9 tells of an army that has stings of their tail. It was a locust army that had stings as scorpions. It's his little minions, the, the, little, the little evil spirit, the little fellers that follow him around and do all the whispering and all that junk, try to get in your head. That's them. And when you get one of them crazy thoughts, just you've got the power in Jesus' name. Get them out of there. Send them back to where they come from. Back in Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican, or the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. I want to say one thing on Judas right here because they tailed that with who also betrayed him. Many people come down real hard on Judas. For the crucifixion to have happened, 
someone had to betray him. Someone had to give him up. And everybody's so rough on Judas because he's the one. But he was fulfilling prophecy. And then they say, you know, I've heard several teachers talk about, yeah, well, you know, we, we know he's in hell. No, before Judas was hanged, yes, I said was hanged, he repented. He cast the silver into the temple, fulfilling even more po- uh, uh, prophecy. So all these folks that jump to conclusions about Judas and, and where he is and all that, take that a little easy. That's judging. We don't do that. He repented. Verse 5, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. It wasn't time for that yet. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So, first, he's got to collect, he's got to ensure that the prophecies, that the promises go to the house of Israel. But then once rejected, then it's open to the world. As I said earlier, everything has a chronological order to it. And as you go, verse 7, And as you go, preach saying, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. What he's saying is, I'm going to provide for you. And this script is a begging bag. Don't go out here begging. Don't go stand on a corner and beg. Because if God blesses a ministry, you don't have to beg. If you're a workman that's worth your hire and you are doing what it is that God would have you to do, the blessings will flow. There's no need to go around with your hand out begging for money. God will see to it that you tended to. Verse 11, And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. What this is talking about is that they had a custom back in this time, and whenever you were staying, whenever you were a guest at a house and you were staying the night, they had to go through all this dinner and you know all this kind of pomp and circumstance stuff that would just take up time. And he's saying, whenever you, whenever you find a house that'll tend to you, don't go stay at another house the next night or a few nights later and, and take all the time away from actually teaching the word to do all these customs. They're saying, just, just find one and do good. Verse 12, and when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust off your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. We're going to stop there for the, for the day, for this study. We'll pick it up in verse 16 in the next study. And what he was saying here. You know, try to do everything you can to spread the gospel. 
Let them know the kingdom of God is at hand. Give all the peace you can give. But if they won't have you, hey, you don't throw your pearls before swine. Don't just sit there and harp at it. Shake the dust off. Go ahead and go on to somebody else. God bless y'all. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like to be answered on the podcast, you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com or you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas 75691. Thank you and God bless you.